Welcome to the show. In this one, I talk to musician Zane Penny. He says that every creative endeavor he's been involved in has led him to where he is right now. It goes back to fifth grade, when his mom heard about an audition for a short film. Zane was interested, but he'd never acted before, so he was nervous. So nervous and full of doubt that he almost skipped the audition altogether. But then, at the last minute, he decided to go. He believes that everything else has flowed from that moment. More acting gigs, filmmaking, creating music, and joining Vitus Collective, a group of young musicians and artists based in Anchorage. Joining Vitus Collective was an important milestone for Zane. It introduced him to a group of like-minded youth, and it also helped him realize the importance of young artists, that their message and their perspective matters. The problem was, there was nowhere for them to perform. So in high school, Vitus began hosting all-ages shows. These shows were a success, at times bringing in around 300 people. Reflecting on it now, Zane says that when kids have the opportunity to support their friends, they show up. This podcast is made possible through the generous support of the Crude Magazine Patreon subscribers. If you already subscribe to the Crude Magazine Patreon, thank you. For those listeners who aren't, please consider subscribing at patreon.com slash crude magazine. That's patreon.com slash crude magazine. And pick the subscription tier that works for you. I want to thank everyone subscribed at the Company Man tier. These are the people who have subscribed to the Crude Patreon for $50 or more. Trina Duber. Seward Brewing Company. The Grind Coffee Shop in Juneau. Derek Adolph. Sharon Liska. Jake Liska. Alaska Surf Adventure. And Borderline Legacy. Thank you to all the Patreon subscribers. Your money and your support make these conversations possible. You can also support this podcast with a one-time payment at buymeacoffee.com slash crude magazine. That's buymeacoffee.com slash crude magazine. And if you have a chance to rate or review Crude Conversations on Apple Podcasts, please do. Also, you can now get crude apparel and merchandise at TeePublic. From t-shirts to hoodies to stickers, baby onesies and more. Just go to the Crude Instagram and click the link in the bio. Okay, back to Zane Penny. A big part of the music for him is the fashion that goes along with it. When he was younger, he wore clothes that made him stand out. A hood with bunny ears, tank tops, and metal chokers. He looks back on those choices now and he laughs. But he understands that that was his way of expressing himself back then. In fact, he keeps a lot of those clothes around his house to remind himself of where he comes from. The clothes and other pieces of his past help him fight this fear of forgetting. This fear of waking up one day and realizing that the world has gone on without him. Everything is different, but he's the same. He thinks this fear stems from some of his family's issues involving alcoholism. So in general, he stays away from alcohol, and instead focuses on the thing that helps quiet that fear. 
his music. So here he is, Zane Penny. <laughs> this red light right here, it means we're recording. Okay, fired up. Crude conversations. Listen more than you talk. Go to work. So McDonald's made you feel like you were hungover? <laughs> yeah. Because I haven't had it in like eight months. So like my body is like not adjusted to like bad food. <laughs> yeah, I feel like I spent so much of my younger years eating like really crappy food because I was always so busy doing stuff. So I yeah. was like, you know, let's just stop at McDonald's or Taco Bell or whatever. And then now that I'm in my 30s, honestly, <laughs> like if I have Taco Bell and I have it at the wrong hour of the day, I think I'll be taken out. Actually, I don't think I know. I'll be taken <laughs> yeah. out for like the next day and a half. Yeah. It's like, it's it's not a joke. <laughs> <laughs> Shit is, does not hit the same as it did in high school. It's still good though. Yeah. <laughs> it was like, I was at the studio until like 4 a.m. So I like, and there was nothing open because like Village Inn, doesn't really exist anymore here and like like there we have like no 24-hour places so i'm just like down bad <laughs> so you went to taco bell <laughs> yeah <laughs> um well i started recording just because i thought that was pretty funny okay cool <laughs> you know there are these videos on your social media where you're performing and you're wearing like a hood do you still have that hood <laughs> Yeah, I have like the the like bunny hat. I think the one that I was thinking of is like a black hood with like a with like a tie, you know, for the neck. Yeah, it's like a um it's a hat that has like bunny ears on it. But it it just kind of does it does look like a hood. Do you still have that? I do, yes. Do you wear it at all? Um <laughs> no, not really. <laughs> I, I I have like a couple things in my wardrobe where I'm like, I, I'll like never wear this, but like if it's for a show and I want like something kind of dumb and flashy, I'll like throw that on. So you wear different things for performances than you would otherwise, like in, you know, normal living. Yeah. And why is that? Um... I don't know. I think I just want to like look cool. <laughs> I don't think it's like any deeper than that. I think um, I'm just like, oh, I want to like have this like rock star persona when I'm like playing a show. Okay. So I like to stand out. Hat. Yeah. You used to dye your hair too and wear oh tank gosh, tops yeah. when you performed. <laughs> do you still do yeah. that? I've chilled a bit on dyeing my hair because, like, when we first met, that was, like, my peak dyeing my hair phase. I always had, like, the split color dye and, like, all that stuff. But um, I don't know. As I grow older, like, I kind of realized how, like, I don't know how many years I'm going to have, like, with hair. <laughs> I, so, like... I'm just trying to like embrace my natural like 
what comes in right now. I just like shaved my head like six months ago. So I'm like just growing it back out now. When I was younger, dyeing your tips was in. And then mm-hmm. my brothers were like dyeing their whole head. And so I was like, I'm going to dye my whole head. And so I went in, I think to trendsetters in Diamond Center. <laughs> and, and I had them bleach my whole head. And I have like, you know, I'm bald now, but I had really dark, like black hair. And it took like six hours you know just sitting there under like one of those little like you know headlamp things (laughs) those poor like trendsetters like high school (laughs) (laughs) students and it just bleached my head and um so i had that done and then i met my future wife carrie oh my gosh and um you know, Carrie was like, what's under that beanie? And I was like, super, you know, trying to hide it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. But yeah, I I also stuck with just my natural hair color after that because, I don't know, maybe I just thought it was better. I just, I mm. liked it and maybe I was just lazy. And then yeah. now I'm kind of glad I did because I have no hair. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so now you at least remember what your your hair did, did look like naturally yeah well and now i'm on to this next adventure of being bald you know and i was worried yeah. that for a second i was worried that um that i wasn't that my wife wasn't going to be able to scratch my head because i you know i was like i wonder if it's the hair that makes it like feel good mm-hmm. and i have found that it isn't just the hair like like on a bald That's head if you get know. a bald head scratched yeah wait are you are you foreseeing you being bald? I, it's like your mom's dad, right? I thought that, but my mom's dad has a full head of hair. Huh? Maybe not. Like, so my, my dad has like, like pretty full hair. He has like pretty long, whatever. But my mom's dad is like, (laughs) like super bald. (laughs) So I, I don't really know. I'm just, I think I'm going to start like, taking like finasteride or whatever like the the shit that like blocks the that like kind of testosterone or whatever that makes you lose your hair okay just so i had to like prevent it but i don't know i'm definitely like doing (laughs) like living like i'm going to be bald (laughs) (laughs) living like you're gonna be bald (laughs) yeah (laughs) i feel like that could be the name of a new song. Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> Do you feel like your style has changed at all? Like clothes or like mu- like music? I guess either one. Definitely clothes. I think um, probably last time we saw each other in person, I, I was probably pretty emo. Or like I wore like... I remember I used to wear like dog collars not dog collars but like the um just those metal like chokers yeah okay that people put on dogs i used to wear those like as necklaces and just like a lot of like the i i used to dress like an e-boy like before e-boys were a thing and i remember in high school like i was like a year before that or something and then 
it became popular and then all these people that would like make fun of me for dressing the way I did <laughs> would like dress like me all of a sudden or like huh. call me an e-boy and it's like bro <laughs> <laughs> y'all used to make fun of me for this that's crazy and an e-boy is just like emo right i think it's like like e like i don't know how like things online are like e things Oh, okay. Because they're it's like the chronically online, mm. like fit. Okay. At least now. So, the style, e boy, indicates how a person dresses when they're in front of a computer. No. Okay. <laughs> I think it's like people see um, these guys they think are attractive, like on TikTok and stuff. And uh, I think it became popular again because of the whole, like, emo resurgence and, like, fucking, like, MGK and whatever. Like, uh, dressing a certain way so people kind of wanted to throw it back to that. Mm-hmm. And they saw all these, like, hot, famous TikTok dudes dressing like that, and they also did, I guess. Okay. And so that's an e-boy. Yeah, I think. Okay. Well, I'm caught up now then. I can start using yeah. the term. <laughs> it's pretty it's pretty late. I don't think that's even really a thing anymore. Oh, dang. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but now you know the history. Yeah. <laughs> so what happened? Did you just get sick of of that e-boy style or do you feel like it's just part of you maturing as an artist? I think it I think it's definitely just me maturing. I, hmm. I'm kind of in like a weird, like, I don't really know what my style is anymore. I kind of just wear like band merch. Yeah. (laughs) And the same like three pairs of like Carhartt pants I have. I'm kind of dressing more like an Alaskan nowadays, like a, like a trendy Alaskan. What do you think made you start dressing like that? Um, I think a lot of the people I was like surrounded by had like, like the people I work with, do you know who Huss is? Like Huss and Michael and them. I'm not sure. I don't think so. Okay. Well, they're, uh, so we have like this, this music collective called Vitus Collective. They're the other members of it. And uh, they're really, they have a real, they're very like, they're like a couple years ahead of everyone, like fashion wise. Okay. Like they, they wear a lot of like capital and like number nine and like, um, just like this, this, a lot of like raw denim and just like, expensive materials but the kind of clothes where you buy and like they don't wear out for like 20 years okay so i'm kind of getting more into stuff like that more like uh like sustainable clothes and stuff yeah and is fashion important to you or is it important to your music or both i think it's it's not as important as I'd like it to be. I think fashion used to be really important to me in high school, 
but as I kind of grew up and got other interests, I, I kind of like, um, like drifted away from that. But I think I'm, I think I'm coming back to it just like with a different, with a more like adult brain. And that looks like sustainable stuff. Mm -hmm. Okay. You know, I, I, I realize that these first couple questions or this first line of questioning is all about fashion. And I didn't really like mean it to be that way, but <laughs> maybe, maybe my, uh, uh, where my mind goes is like, do you feel like maybe before, you know, when you're dressing like an e-boy, <laughs> see i'm using the term uh -huh. <laughs> do you feel like you weren't being true to yourself i did i think i was it was just that that's like the period i was in yeah i think i've always been pretty true to myself and like i i remember when i first dyed my hair like the attention i got was really it was really weird because um like I wasn't known for dyeing my hair in high school at all. Like I was a pre, I, I dressed like, like a normie. <laughs> <laughs> like I, I was the most like average dude ever. And then like, I started dyeing my hair and like wearing dog <laughs> jokers and shit. <laughs> and then I, I don't know, like, um, I don't know. I think I was just, I don't know. I just got a whole lot of like, kind of unwanted attention and whatever but I think it was like I think it was important for me to not like uh to kind of train myself to not worry about how people thought of how I looked because mm -hmm. like I would go to school wearing like a dog joker and stuff <laughs> so like I would get made fun of and stuff but it was I think in my mind I was like oh I'm just more like fashionable than these these dudes okay and was it mainly dudes who were making fun of you yeah because i would i would like paint my fingernails and stuff and like um i think a lot of dudes especially in high school are, are really like insecure and like anything you do like if you painted your nails and people a lot of high school dudes kind of see you and they're like oh this guy's like a gay or whatever it's like, well, there's nothing wrong with that, but it's like, yeah, just that's like an insult to them. So it's, it's, I don't know. I think they just don't like understand or have, they, they don't, there's no effort into understanding. So they just kind of like brush it off as being like weird or whatever. Yeah. Until, you know, three, four years later. And they're painting their fingernails. <laughs> yeah, because it's it's trendy to be an e-boy then. That's exactly what happened. And that's what you mean by unwanted attention. Yeah, I, yeah, or I'd, like, I don't know. There's a couple instances where, like, I, I just dyed my hair and I just, like, see people kind of, like, pointing and, like, talking about me mm -hmm. in the hallway. And it was, like, I don't know just kind of awkward yeah because i i feel like everyone's kind of becoming who they're gonna be mm -hmm. so like everyone is kind of like really self-conscious because they don't really know what they are yet mm -hmm. 
So I think it's just that, that weird, like the, like growing pains of like getting older and stuff. I think people are just all kind of down bad at that age and like, they don't really know what they want or like what they want to be. And okay, so everyone's just kind of like insecure and dumb and whatever. I don't think it's their fault for just like being ignorant about that stuff. But I, cause I, I wasn't who I am now. Mm-hmm. So like, I was also like insecure about what I was wearing and stuff. So I think it's fine. I think it's just like a, um, maybe it has to do with like how, they were raised or how I was raised or whatever. Okay. Yeah. I don't really, I don't hold any grudges for that. I think it was just like a, some the weird like culture of growing up. Yeah. You know, I guess I always think of like, what if it wasn't like that? Mm -hmm. And, you know, people grow up with like really like thin skin. Yeah. Yeah not advocating bullying by any, by any means. But, um, I do think that it is kind of important that kids are at least a little tough on each other. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. I think it's, I think it's at least important to have like a group of friends that kind of, where you all just like give each other shit. Yeah. Just really honest with each other. Yeah, I think it it keeps you humble. <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> Can you tell me about Vitus Collective? Yeah, so it um it started in 2018, I think, either 2018 or like early 2019. Mm-hmm. And it just started as like um as just a collective of like different kinds of artists. And it was just our way of like coming together and like helping each other out with like, um, wherever we fall flat, I guess, like, um, with whatever we were like our art form of choice was. So we would like throw all ages shows at the bunker and like, um, before I made music, I would still help with that. And then I would just shoot like the recap videos Mm -hmm. for the shows and I would shoot like music videos for the artists that we were associated with and um once i got the confidence to pursue music then that's i i had all those contacts from like doing videos and like Mm -hmm. working with these people already that um, i think i had it pretty lucky because because i had all those contacts i just went to them and um huss the the person Mm -hmm. i collaborate with like the most now is um he was one of those like he was in he was in Vitus like as early as I was and just like seeing him on stage really motivated me to like get my shit together and uh pursue what I was actually I think I was I've always been like really passionate about music and like singing but Mm -hmm. I just never like it just took a long time to fully like admit that to myself I think because I had such a path going for me with filmmaking that like it felt dumb to like just do a 180 but um I don't know with the help of all those people I think it um it's worked out so far so (laughs) I definitely feel really lucky yeah can you tell me more about 
you know, acting and making short films? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I started, I think it's, it's so interesting because everything that I do that I've done up until now is this weird, like butterfly effect of, um, I remember in like fifth grade or something, my mom heard about this audition for a short film and I almost didn't go. I was like, I'm too nervous. Like I never act like, uh, whatever. And then last minute I was like, you know what? Fuck it. Like, I'm just going to give it a shot. Mm -hmm. And I went for it. And when I showed up, my best friend at the time also showed up to the audition. So we, we both auditioned for the same part. He ended up getting it, but they saw, um, the relationship that we had just like in between takes and stuff that they, they made a character for me. Like they wrote in a character for me because they, they liked the, um, like the energy that we had together. Yeah. So that ended up like, um, like after I did some acting, then I was like, Oh, I want to kind of get behind the camera and like, uh, do some f- more filmmaking stuff. And then because of that, then that's how I got into Vitus. And then because of that, that's how I started music. So it's weird to think like, I almost didn't go to that audition. Like if I, if I didn't, what would I be doing now? <laughs> it's, it's so weird. How often do you think of that? Oh man. Every time I'm like, I I try to like give myself time to like be grateful about things. Mm-hmm. And, um, whenever I think about that, I definitely like my mind always goes back to the, um, like you almost didn't have any of this and it only happened because of this one moment. So I think that keeps me saying yes to things because like I have no idea what will come out of anything. Yeah. Even if it feels really small, it could become something big. What do you feel like the last thing that you said yes to that materialized into something? Ooh. Okay. So this isn't, I don't think this is the last thing that, but this is probably the second most like significant is I, uh, I, I directed and edited the 99 Corolla video for medium build. Okay. And that was before I made music and he just sent me an email cause he, uh, he knew that I made short films and whatever and did music videos mm-hmm. and he wanted someone to, um, direct his video and edit it or whatever. And so we met up and I really liked him and, uh, we were just talking about the video and stuff. And then we were kind of getting the pre-production done. And at that point I was pretty established. So I was like, I was kind of taxing <laughs> when it came to like, like the budget that I was asking for when I did music videos was um, like the budget he proposed to me was like pretty, pretty far below what I would usually accept. Okay. And so the, but I was like, I'll do it anyway, like, because I really love the song and I, I really enjoyed hanging out with him. Mm-hmm. And if I did, literally, if I didn't do that, like if I said no, like the majority of anything that's been like going for me music wise, like wouldn't have happened. 
because the having Nick as a friend and a, almost like a mentor relationship with him is like I don't know it's 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 really valuable to me yeah so it's I'm I'm really glad I did that when you look at you know how all these doors keep opening and now you have this mentality of saying yes do you i don't know like ascribe anything else to that like is it destiny is it uh maybe the concept of kind of this self-fulfilling prophecy you know if if you keep pursuing the thing that you're passionate about then eventually those doors will open yeah i think well i think just the way that the group works like vitus works i think um because we all have our fingers in like each other, like all of each other's different projects and stuff. Mm -hmm. I think that uh, we've kind of just set ourselves up for if, if any of us kind of blows up or gets big, then we're all going with them because we're all like associated. Mm -hmm. So I, I try to, I'm just, I don't really attribute it to anything like fate or anything i just i'm really confident about um like where we're gonna end up because i don't see i don't really see a situation where like maybe i fail at something or whatever but i do not see like huss failing like where i would fall flat mm -hmm. and like if he doesn't then it's like i'm also there because we're all doing the same thing. Yeah. So like I it's kind of just like a matter of time. So it's just like a patience thing at this point, I think. And you said pursuing music was about gaining the confidence. Yeah, I think cuz I've I, like I've written songs when I was like 6 or whatever. Like every I feel like everyone kind of did, but um I don't know. Like I, when I was little, I was like obsessed with Justin Bieber. Okay. Like I, I had posters of him on my wall. Like, um, like I, I, my dream was like, I'm going to be a pop star. I'm going to like be like Justin Bieber. And it kind of went full circle. Cause after I kind of got into other things and then I went back to being interested in music. Now my dream is I want to be a pop star. So yeah, okay. it's like, <laughs> I think that was the most like pure version of what I wanted. It was like when I when I was a kid. Yeah. I think that's like just the most pure you are as a human. I think it's it's important to like go back to your roots. <laughs> yeah. With the more like your more like matured and like uh more experienced ideas and stuff. That's cool. Like when I first um, started producing, I think, or I think when everyone like starts making music, I think the things they make initially are like the most creative because mm -hmm. you don't know how to do anything. So like you kind of have to figure out like everything. Mm -hmm. So like there's no pattern. Like now I kind of get into Ableton and I'm, I, I kind of make the same thing over and over again. But like I didn't have that when I first started out. And I think um, you can take 
still like take that idea of like marrying the two to like come out with like the best product Mm -hmm. or whatever but do you feel like maybe you have like a routine of getting back into that like creative space that like that initial creative space where it's like genuinely creative rather than you know like you said sitting on ableton and remaking the same thing over and over again well i think it's it kind of builds my confidence to think about that because I think it's um, like, I've always had it. I just like didn't have the skills necessary to like, um, to like showcase it. Mm -hmm. So like now that I'm like getting those skills to showcase it, then it'll help me like kind of dig up what I've had all along. (laughs) Mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> which is weird because like all i always think of like everything i did in the past as just like pretty well just like not as good as what i'm doing now but then i'll like go back and read my old lyrics and i'm like oh this is kind of i was kind of on to something i just didn't have like the right words to describe it or whatever what do you think influences you the most definitely my friends uh, my friends and, um, I mean, just being, like, being where we're from, it's, like, such a unique experience to, like, live in Alaska. Mm-hmm. I think that, like, no matter what, you have this unique perspective, like, if you're from here. Because mm-hmm. there's so many, like, like, you go to the lower 48 and it's completely different on, like, every level. So it's... Uh, I think I subconsciously draw a lot of influence just being from Alaska and stuff. But um, I think most most of my influence is like really subconscious and it's not like a, like I don't really know where it's coming from when it happens, but I'll like figure it out. I'm like, oh, okay. Like I, that was like from a movie or something. Yeah, that's interesting that you subconsciously maybe uh, absorb you know, these influences and then you regurgitate elements of them in music and then Mm. only kind of like upon reflection or even maybe I'm assuming like maybe sometimes you'll, you'll be sitting there watching a movie and you're like, Oh, that's where I got it. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Well, I think starting as a filmmaker that happens too, or like, um, like I, I just think really visually Mm -hmm. just because of, like how I've been making movies like for a while before this. Yeah. So like everything I do is like a color or like, um, like I make mood boards for like songs I make just to kind of like, I don't know, try to make it make sense in my head. Yeah. Can you describe one of those mood boards? Well, I just made one. I, I just dropped a song like, two weeks ago called survivor's guilt and it's like a pretty uh it's a pretty like apocalyptic song Mm -hmm. so like i took and it it reminds me of the woods because of like it's pretty acoustic Mm -hmm. so i i took a lot of um like it makes me think of like the last of us too (laughs) yeah just like little screen grabs from that and like um like the characters like playing guitar in the woods and like uh, I don't know. I love the, 
just like the idea of people who are really like dirty <laughs> like <laughs> just like walking around the woods like covered in like mud or like blood or okay. whatever like it's just interesting to me like it's i i don't know if it's like a textural thing but like <laughs> it just like kind of it just looks cool to me yeah in like my brain so you're not thinking of like why are these people bloody in the woods you're just looking at it from like a uh like a fashion standpoint yeah i'm like they where's their their dog choker (laughs) (laughs) we're back to the dog choker (laughs) No, (laughs) i'm just finding like every excuse to bring that up for some reason it's like not even that much of a choker i don't know why i was whatever (laughs) not i could change it (laughs) It's like, it's, it's just like a long piece of like, just like a long metal chain that I could kind of clip up and like, there'd be a tail from it just like hanging down. So I could clip it at like any, any like link. Do you have any days where you see it lying around and you're like, I'm going to bust this out today? (laughs) Dude. I see a, I have a lot of days where I see it around and then I'm like, God, no, (laughs) it's just haunting you. Yeah. Or like I, I have this, um, like hoodie I wore every, like every single day of freshman year of my freshman year in high school. And I just see it hanging up in my closet, like a retired, like Jersey or something (laughs) like, Oh God. It like still smells like weed somehow. What do you think it means to <laughs> have these like relics of your past just lying around? I think it's just like funny. Okay. I don't know. I think it, um, like I don't need them, but I think it just, like I see it and I'm like, that is so hilarious that I wore like this assassin's creed looking (laughs) jacket every day i guess what i'm thinking of is you know there's a reason you haven't thrown them away yeah i'm just like a sucker for things that make me think of stuff (laughs) that's like the most broad statement humanly (laughs) possible but dude i just like thinking about things no no i just I'm not like I'm the I'm super like ADD. So like everything that I like things enter and leave my brain like so quickly. So like I think there's a I always think about how many things that I've this, this is kind of like a fucked up thing to say. I always think about how many um, like memories or experiences that I've forgotten about that I'll like never remember again. Hmm. So like, I try to like keep everything that reminds me of something just because I don't want, I'm like a f- kind of afraid to like, uh, lose a part of my past, I think. Mm-hmm. And I think that's like, that could be like a character flaw or whatever, but I think it's just important to me to like remember where I come from and uh, what I used to do and stuff. Where do you think that comes from? You know, this fear of forgetting. 
I think I've always had some version of it. I think, <clears throat> I think everyone has too, where like, I remember going to <laughs> my mom's car would be filled with rocks because I would like hang out on the, the recess hill at my school and I would see a rock and I'm like, I'm never going to see this rock again. Hmm. Like this rock will like, I like me looking at it will never happen again in like my entire like history of my life. So like I would see it and I'm like, I need to have this because I'll never see it again. And I think it's, I just have this like weird innate, like, um, fear of maybe it's a fear of change. Okay. Or it's just like a, I don't know. I'm just scared to forget things. I think. Do you know what your mom thinks about this? Maybe how she has responded to it? Well, I know in the moment when like, when she's like going around a corner and like, like 30 rocks hit the other side of the car. (laughs) I think that's like, obviously she was probably pretty annoyed with that, but (laughs) I think, I don't know. I don't know if I've really talked to her about it. I think she just took it as like, Oh, this is just like a kid collecting rocks and stuff, which it was. Mm -hmm. I don't know if it was much deeper than that, but it was, um, I don't know. I don't think I've ever talked to her about it. I think that's just, she just kind of brushed it off as like a, this is a, like a kid moment. Yeah. Like he's an artist. Which is fine. Which it was. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh. Do you feel like you, um, you've gotten more comfortable with the fact that, you know, you do have this feeling like this, this insecurity of things passing by too quickly and being gone forever. I think I'm just more, I just acknowledge it more Mm -hmm. because I don't think, I don't think I used to acknowledge it very much. And, uh, I don't know. I think it's just a, a weird roundabout way for me to be like appreciative of like what I have now. Yeah. So I think it's like overall a positive thing, but it's definitely like annoying. (laughs) Annoying in what way? (laughs) Well, annoying and like my head is so full of just like nothing. Like all like just objects that I don't need to remember, but I'm like scared to forget. Okay. Do you think making music helps quiet all of that? Yeah, definitely. I think recently I've been writing songs that are like really specific. Mm -hmm. And I think um, being really specific about what I'm talking about helps me a lot um, to like remember how I was feeling in the moment. Mm -hmm. Because a lot of times... I'll feel a certain way and it could be really, um, really like expressive and, uh, like intense. Like maybe I'll, I'm like talking to a girl and then we like stop talking and then I, I don't know, feel some type of way about it. But I always, once you're over it, you always kind of forget about how you felt. 
and sometimes that's a good thing, but, uh, I think that, that fear that I have of like forgetting things, I'm always like, I wish, I wish I could feel how I felt just for the sake of like knowing what I, what was going on in my brain. Mm -hmm. So I think I try to write songs now that are like, that like convey how I'm feeling about like a very specific situation. Mm -hmm. Do you journal at all? Not really. I think, I think music is my way of journaling. Okay. I'm just like writing stuff. Cause when I write music, like a lot of times I'll just kind of trauma dump in my notes app. Okay. And then like, I mean, that's writing though. Yeah. And it doesn't rhyme or anything. It's just like words and whatever. And then I take those and like turn them into songs. So I guess I do kind of journal, but not like I, I like, I don't have a journal or anything. Would you mind or feel comfortable reading the last note you took in your phone? Um, yeah, sure. Let's see. <laughs> I have no idea what any of this means. Uh, I have a note that says delayed mouth pop. <laughs> I think I was writing a song and I was like, that would be cool if I had like a delayed mouth pop in it or something. Okay. Let me find one that like has essence to it. Hold on. Okay. <laughs> My notes are not what they used to be. I just have track lists and um coffee shop flavors that i like <laughs> <laughs> here i have um a description of a moment in here it says fresh air morning breeze lemon tea and honey i walked into the living room to count yesterday's money a hug awaits me at the door, a mother's love. Her son is making money now. He must be all grown up. <laughs> Where do you think that came from? Um, I think I just read, I read a poem and I was like, I, I kind of want to write a poem right now. So I was like, what's a good, um, how can I like try to create like a feeling or something? Cause this was after, this was after I, I just did a show and it was like a show we threw. So I, I just had this big wad of money on my desk cause I, it was like, like I hadn't paid anyone yet cause I had to bring it to the bank. Mm -hmm. So my, I was just feeling, I was like, Oh, I, there's all this money. Like I'm, I'm like doing well. I'm like pr pursuing this thing I wanted to do. Like. I don't know. I was just full of like, like it's happening, like energy. And I just woke up feeling really good. And, um, I don't know. I was trying to describe that to myself. I think. Did it have any relationship to, you know, you and your mom? Cause you mentioned your mom in there, right? Yeah. Well, I think she's definitely like my comfort person. So like when I, 
when I'm writing things that like I'm trying to be, or I, when I'm writing things that are trying to be comforting, I I usually put my mom in there somehow, just like subconsciously, because that's what I go to when I'm like I think of comfort and stuff. Yeah. So you're in your early twenties, right? Yeah, I just turned twenty-one. Do you feel like the Alaska music scene is made up of mainly people older than you, or does it feel like there's a good mix of young people too? The young people in the music scene are like 28. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, cause there's the ice, the like music scene iceberg in Alaska is like, is really interesting. Cause like, obviously there are, there are kids my age and like younger and kids in high school that are making music, but they're, they don't have any platform like they, because there are like, it's getting so much better now, but like, that's why we threw shows in high school that were all ages because there weren't any, mm-hmm. like no one who made music that was my age in high school, like could play shows because they couldn't. And like, uh, I don't know, like a lot of opportunities that we've had, we've just kind of had to make, I think. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people, like most people that make music here are, uh, they're kind of like regulars at the bars and stuff. And they just play at the bar and bars and like do that kind of whole like circuit thing. But, uh, I think now it's a lot better than like the all ages co-op kind of like uh, came out of that, like creating your own opportunity, like mindset thing. Cause there's a lot of people I know that work at the all ages co-op and like help run that and stuff. Yeah. So there's energy there. Yeah. And I think people are taking kids music a lot more serious than they have in the past. Why do you think that is? I think, I hope, I really hope we had something to do with it. I think um, because we put a lot of effort into like making uh, kids' voices heard, like on a music level, Mm -hmm. I think that, like our first show we ever threw in like 2019 and or 2018, there was like 300 people that showed up mm-hmm. and it's like an all ages show. And I think people, as we did these shows, I think people started to realize that like when kids have the opportunity to support like their friends that are like singing on stage or rapping or whatever, um, like they show up because they have nothing else to do. Mm-hmm. So I think, I think people are finally realizing that and they're like, oh, like it could also be like a good business opportunity to like host these events and stuff. Mm-hmm. Because every time there's like a great uh, turnout and like people want to go to these, but they're just now starting to happen and stuff. You know, a while back, Josh Boots gave me some advice that I've thought of and considered ever since. And that is that... Your friends are not your fans. Yeah. What do you think about that? I think 
Yeah, I agree. Because, well, I think, hmm, I think it's, I'm pretty half and half about that because your first couple fans have to be your friends. But like, if your friends tell their friends about you, then like those can become your fans and stuff. Yeah. But I think it kind of, um, it kind of dominoes from your friends and then it like, as the domino goes, then it like becomes, uh, more of a fan thing than a friend thing. Yeah. Yeah. I wonder if that has anything to do with high school, you know, and everybody being in like the central area and maybe not having as many responsibilities as they eventually will as an adult. And mm -hmm. so they're looking for things to do on the weekend. They're looking, you know, for things to spend their time on. Yeah. And, you know, that's parties, that's uh, maybe football or hockey games, mm -hmm. um, you know, all ages stuff. And then when you and the rest of Vitus Collective through these all ages shows they're like oh that's cool because we can't get into coots yeah yeah and i think we had this this kid who was really popular just at school so like he like everyone that showed up for him weren't really his friends like they were his fans but uh it was just because he was popular it wasn't because he uh had like a large following of like people that listen to his music it was mostly like <laughs> like girls that thought he was hot kind of. okay so they just that because that was that was like the majority of our audience the first um the first couple shows we did just like um all these like high school people that admired this guy but they became fans of everyone else that played so it was I don't know. It was fun. Those shows were sick. Do you have any specific memories of those shows? Oh my gosh, yes. Uh, <laughs> the second show we did, this kid walked in, and the dude who I'm talking about, who's like really popular in high school, is his name was Jay Scoop. That was his like rapper name. Okay. And this kid walked in trying to fight him. Like he huh. he pulled up. But with boxing gloves. Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> it, was re it was really stupid. <laughs> he pulled up and he threw boxing gloves on the ground. And he's like, J-Scoop, fight me. And we all thought he was like a joke. So everyone was laughing. Like we were just setting up the stage and stuff. Uh-huh. So everyone was like, didn't take him serious. And they're kind of laughing it off. And then he's like, guys, I, I like don't know this person. <laughs> like, I like, can y'all help? And we didn't have, we didn't like, for the early shows, we didn't have security because like we didn't know what we were doing really. Yeah. So our DJ <laughs> just like walked over and just like socked him. And then we just had to like escort him out. So we, everyone called him DJ security for a while. <laughs> <laughs> that was an interesting moment for sure yeah that is interesting it makes me like wonder if he was a boxer but then if he got punched and <laughs> subdued by one punch that yeah. makes me think that maybe he wasn't a boxer 
I think I think he was a boxer, but our uh, our DJ was a wrestler. Oh, okay. So he he kind of just like picked him up and like threw him. Okay. And I was like, <laughs> it was so awkward. Like he came in and making all these like whatever, like just saying all this crazy shit, and it was it's like, bro, we're like everyone here is like sixteen. Yeah. <laughs> like, like I don't know. It was. What a strange era. So do you find it different, similar now that you are performing, you know, with um, people like medium build? Um, Different from like the shows we used to throw. Yeah. Like the high school crowd. I think, I think it's just a new generation of high school crowd, especially like at the all ages shows because most of the people that come to uh to like my shows are all like like 16 to 19 mostly okay it's like most of my audience so i think uh yeah i think it's just the new generation of what we are doing mhm yeah but uh, yeah i don't know it's hard to really tell yeah it might be one of those situations where you'll understand it more the older you get. Yeah. And I think it's a lot different because we didn't have like a medium build when I was in high school. And uh, I don't know, Nick is, Nick is doing so well. I think. Yeah. Yeah. It's really cool to see just cause I don't know. He's such like a, like a hometown hero for everyone that, uh, it's definitely cool to have, especially if you're under 21, just like to come to shows and get inspired. And Mm -hmm. yeah, I think it's really cool that we like have that in Alaska. You have this song called the Avenue, Uh which is, which is also a bar in downtown Anchorage, but I didn't didn't know this. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. You didn't know about the bar when you named the song, right? (laughs) No, I didn't. So, I I dropped this song and then my friend hit me up and he has like this he has this big like scar on his neck. Okay. And he was like, This is where a dude stabbed me. He's like, You wrote a song about where this this dude stabbed me. <laughs> I was like, oh, no, I didn't. <laughs> it's like I didn't even know I didn't know that, bro. You just thought the name was cool. I I found when I wrote it, it was like two chords and I was like freestyling it. Mm-hmm. Wait, I could find, I can find the original voice memo of me freestyling it, but I freestyled like most of the, most of the song and I just liked how it sounded. So like, it didn't really mean anything at the time. Yeah. Um, Are you looking for that note? Yeah. Hold on. <laughs> it just does that for like two minutes. And I have like different lyrics before that, but I, I don't know. My songwriting process is I, I just find like, uh, like a couple chords I like. 
and then I just record myself like freestyling it and usually I'll get like a chorus or like at least the melody Mm -hmm. out of it because I've found that usually my first idea like the first thing that comes to mind when I hear something is like the best one that I'll be able to get so I just try to like capture that and like because uh, there's been so many times where I I think of something really sick and I just forget about it immediately. Yeah. Because I didn't record it. It's funny too because your first thought is always, I'll never forget this. Yeah. And then the first thing you do is you forget it. <laughs> and then you think about you never forgetting it and then it, you forget about it because you weren't thinking about it. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> That's why it's always important to take those notes. Mm-hmm. You know, I asked that question about the avenue and you not knowing that it was a bar in downtown Anchorage because <laughs> I feel like it's it's such a good point between your age and your understanding of like, I don't know, like 21 and older culture in Anchorage. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah, because dropping it, like... I got a lot of DMs that were kind of like, like, what do you know about <laughs> the Avenue? <laughs> it's like, I don't see you there. Yeah. It's like, well, I didn't, I didn't even know. What was your response to those? Well, it was just like, I, that's not what the song's about. Okay. Like, it's okay. not about a bar. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, you're right. I don't know. <laughs> but now that I've gone out and like experienced bar culture in Anchorage I th- I don't know not not a great time <laughs> I think a lot like most of the bars here are pretty pretty trashy but obviously <laughs> I mean but that's kind of what a bar is like I don't know I just go and get some like really fruity like like mixed drink that I can barely taste the alcohol in and I just sip that for the entire night, like four hours. Okay. And then just that's it. Like I don't. So you don't drink at all? No. Like I'll go out like once every two weeks and get like one drink. Yeah, I'm not. I have a lot of alcoholism in my family, so I try to keep it pretty chill. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't have to answer this or kind of go down this route but could you tell me about you know how maybe how that alcoholism in your family affects you yeah um i mean my dad he uh like he's always had a pretty big problem with alcohol and at least since i was born like my mom and uh or my my mom and dad got divorced when i was like like two months old or something and uh he's australian so he he went back to australia when i was pretty young i was like five or six and uh so every time he would visit uh kind of all the memories that i have uh of him Mm -hmm. he's like drunk or Mm. whatever i think that might be where my my fear of like forgetting about things comes from because um, I don't, I think I don't really like, hmm. 
I think that, uh, like I, a couple years ago, I saw him for the first time in like three or four years. And like he, um, when we met up, he kind of like, he was kind of like crying and it was, it was because he, um, he missed out so much on like us growing up, mm-hmm. like me and my sister that, uh, like he, he saw us and was kind of expecting us to still be like 12 or like the last time he saw us. Yeah. And I don't think he real like, because he's drunk so often or all the time or whatever, like, I don't think he's ever really come down from it and like, uh, been able to process things. So he has like this one idea of something and then that's just like how he feels about it like forever. Mm -hmm. So I think he kind of had that with us. And then once it wasn't like that, like we were grown up and stuff, then I think that affected him a lot. And I think, uh, I think that's why I try to be so present and like remember certain like moments and stuff because I don't want to like, I want to look back at certain memories fondly, but I don't want to, um, feel like that's the only like memory of the thing or whatever. Mm -hmm. Like it's, everything's always changing and, uh, I don't know. I just don't want to have like a repeat situation like that, at least for my life. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't want to be surprised that something's different. I just want to like, um, let it, let whatever's happening happen and stuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you feel like maybe you have this fear of losing certain memories because your dad's drinking and Mm -hmm. he has forgotten so much. Yeah. I think that's, that's the majority of that for sure. You know, it seems like you have a, a really solid, healthy understanding of all of that. Did that Mm -hmm. take any amount of time to get to, or, you know, maybe your mom helped you work through it or something else. I think my mom, my mom has always been such a good, um, like she's, she's the complete opposite of my dad. So like, I remember when my dad would visit and I would like come back from hanging out with her. Um, and it just, it just always felt really weird because it was so different. And, uh, Mm -hmm. what am I trying to say? Yeah, I mean, I've had I've had my own experiences too with like substances and like alcohol and stuff. So I think I got like I experimented with it a lot in high school and then I kind of got over it. And then uh I think I just had like a I don't want to be my dad moment. Mm-hmm. So I like <laughs> I like did my best to get away from all that stuff. But my mom's always been, had like really healthy, um, like she's, she's really good at communicating 
and she's really like a lot of my friends their parents kind of like uh like a lot of my friends grew up in military households and their parents kind of uh like I'll talk about therapy with them because mm-hmm. like I did I did therapy for a while and it's just not really an option in their household because growing up with like military parents like them uh they kind of got shamed for wanting to go to therapy hmm. or like it just didn't feel like an option for them and like my mom my mom encouraged me to even before i like even knew that i should she was just like oh like it doesn't really matter if you have like something you want to work through right now it's just like everyone should go to therapy if they can yeah and i'm i don't know just things like that i think my mom has always been really just a really healthy person so the juxtaposition from that to my dad is just like gives me whiplash mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like so different but yeah i'm i'm definitely super lucky to be able to grow up in her house instead of my dad's i think <clears throat> what did that i don't want to be like my dad moment look like if you don't mind me asking hmm i think i just experimented a lot with like uh i mean not a whole lot of drugs like i i had a line like i i would never do like i never did like pills or uh whatever like the really hard shit or whatever yeah but i just i just remember thinking about like i would just like smoke every day and like drink and uh i had a little like lean phase okay <laughs> which is really dumb i just did that a couple of times and i was like this is so stupid because I, I wanted to like i listened to so much like soundcloud rap i was like dude, this is so cool of them to like drink cough syrup. Yeah. Yeah. I did the whole, we did the whole nine yards. We went and got like (laughs) fucking Jolly Ranchers. Okay. That shit is just dumb though. Like just experimenting with things and like, like afterwards you just feel the like regret you feel it's like damn i can't be like like i don't feel clean anymore i don't feel like a clean person well that's lucky that you felt that way because i don't think it's like that for everybody because there's people who become really reliant on drugs yeah definitely and i think because my mom was so healthy about stuff i think that's what initially like initially made me want to start like smoking weed and stuff because i was like oh i want to like do something different and whatever and then i did it and i'm like oh she's she's like right (laughs) (laughs) i'm actually good on that (laughs) Yeah. yeah do you have any early memories of your dad yeah i remember so my dad has always kind of treated me the same age 
just like my whole life. Like he's, he's always kind of looked at me as like a, someone in like their late teens, early twenties. Okay. So he would talk to me like I was like 17 or something when I was like six. Mm -hmm. Because he always, I think he viewed me more as like a, like the homie. Okay. Like like his son. (laughs) Yeah. So like I would, I would go to, I would walk downstairs when I was like six and like him and his friend would be watching like a really violent TV show or something. I'm like, Oh, like I'm not allowed to watch this. Like, could I watch this? And he's like, yeah, dude, like whatever. <laughs> and he just would ask us what we wanted to eat. And I'd be like, Oh, like candy, like let's get candy. And he's like, yeah. So we'd like go and get candy. And I remember one time, we were really hungry and we were like at his house and he came back from the gas station to get like, like chew or something like some Copenhagen. Yeah. And he came back and he had these big, like gummy hamburgers (laughs) and that's like what we had for dinner. Oh man. And it like, it was, it was like an episode of like beyond scared straight (laughs) where I was like, I don't want to eat candy anymore. Like I want to eat food. Yeah. And like, I just be at his house. Like we'd watch like South park and like, just like all this shit I shouldn't be watching. And then I would like go to kindergarten the next day, (laughs) like like repeat all this stuff. And I'd get in so much trouble. And, uh, I don't know, like all the memories I have of my dad, I think it's just him, him trying to be the cool dad. Mm-hmm. But he's just like, uh, there's like a line <laughs> for sure. Yeah. He just didn't know, like, he just didn't know what he was doing. And that's fine. But like, I don't know. Don't have kids if you don't know what you're doing. <laughs> Do you feel like that forced you to grow up faster? Um, Yeah, definitely. I don't, I never viewed myself as like, like I, I never felt like mentally older than anyone else. I think I just had all these experiences that I shouldn't have had. Um, like, I don't know. My, my sister had it a lot worse than me because she was more conscious because she's like two years older than me. So like every time, uh, something would go, would like happen or whatever, like she had, I mean, she was more conscious, so she like remembered more of it. And there's certain, there's certain situations like I wanted to, we wanted to play frisbee, and we couldn't find a frisbee, so he gave us a CD. <laughs> and there's, there's just all these photos of, uh, of me when I was a kid with just a red line across my forehead because my sister threw it and it stuck in my forehead. Oh man. So I just had like this this <laughs> like a red line in my head from like a CD accident. And it, just like shit like that. Did it scar your forehead? No. It was either my forehead or my nose. I'm not sure, but I, it didn't scar it or anything. I just like I just had a line on it for a little while. Yeah. Oh my god. Just like shit like that like <laughs> It's like yeah. no one except someone who's drunk would ever think of that. <laughs> yeah. It's like, what are you doing? Or like, 
one of your friends. You yeah. know, like if you're if you're in a group full of buddies, it's like, you know, oh, we don't have a frisbee. Let's just use this CD. But <laughs> yeah. you exactly, know, when yeah. your when your dad's behaving like somebody who's like you're equal in age, it's yeah. uh, you know, it's it it does seem like a sign of immaturity and <laughs> for sure uh, addiction. Yeah. He would, he would like let us drive his like rental car around like the neighborhood <laughs> and we're like, okay. we're like 10 or something or whatever. Yeah. And it's always like just hanging out with him always just felt like the forbidden fruit thing where mm-hmm. it's like everything we're doing, we should not be doing, but because of that, it's like addicting and like, I don't know. There's a lot of like funny stories that like shouldn't be funny. I think. Yeah. No, I'm I'm sitting here laughing at it because <laughs> my dad's an alcoholic as well and I had similar situations like that, but you know, he owned a snowboard and skateboard shop for mm-hmm. you know, years and years and you know, it was uh instead of, you know, throwing CDs at each other, we were going to skate spots and he was like, you know, getting in fights with the security and we were like, Oh, that's cool. But then, you know, like when you get older, you're like, that's kind of gnarly. You know, that's kind of a (laughs) weird situation to be in, to show up in his Cadillac with two twelves in the back and we're, you know, bumping easy E and then we get out to go skateboard and it's this weird, like, mix of like dysfunction and beauty and 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 it's always you know that uh that bar stool knowledge you know like the drunk that's sitting at the corner of the bar in their seat day after day but then when you talk to them they have like these these stories you know this like hard-won knowledge that you respect yeah Man, <laughs> I can't, we're just having like a therapy session right now. <laughs> That's sometimes <laughs> how these conversations turn out. So I was going through your social media and I wanted to ask you this question about your move to Portland. Yeah. You know, you moved to Portland uh, about two years ago, but then you moved back to Anchorage. Why? So... I moved to Portland. It was like peak COVID and I was going there with the goal to like, um, like meet other people who made music and like collaborate a lot and go to shows and just like none, none of that was an option because of COVID. Okay. I was like, Oh, I'm going to move. And then like when I moved, I was like, Oh, it's going to be over by the time I get there. Cause I bought my ticket. Like I was like, okay, I bought a one-way ticket to Portland from like eight months from now. I'm going to get my shit together and just like go for it by the time like I have to move. Mm-hmm. So I did that and I moved and COVID was still happening. And uh, when I was there, <clears throat> I just like slept on uh, like my friend's couch for like two months. And then we eventually moved into a new place altogether. And I just had like, like I just ended up in like the worst spot I've been in in a long time because of uh, I worked like a really shitty job mm-hmm. and it took up most of my time. And then the free time I did have uh, my roommates 
girlfriend at the time, like we did not get along at all. And she was like over every day. So I just didn't feel comfortable at home. So I would like escape to the Oregon coast because that's where all my friends, like my other friends lived. Mm -hmm. So I just felt like I wasn't doing anything because I was either working or on the coast. So I like wasn't really making music that much or collaborating. And I just felt like I was wasting like my life almost. So I just like, um, I remember I, I went to LA with Huss and Michael, like, like the other Vitus guys. And mm -hmm. it was like the most productive trip. Like it could have been like, we got studio space and we met all these, um, <clears throat> like artists and stuff. And like, I got home, uh, f to Portland after the LA trip. And I just like moved the like next day. Like I got home and I was like, I, okay. I'm going to like go live with these guys again and, or I never lived with them, but like live in the same place as them. And yeah, cause they're, it's like the whole thing where we all kind of like, if one of us isn't motivated or something, then like everyone else is. So like you make, end up making shit anyway. Yeah. So it's just like, like working and collaborating with them is just really healthy for me. So like, I just felt like I was, I just wasn't doing what I could have been doing at home. So I just decided to move back, but <clears throat> I don't know. That's the very common pipeline, like the Alaska to Portland. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I think it's like that for a reason, you know, Portland yeah. has a big music scene, you know, Portugal, the man, that's where they live. Yeah. Or that's where they move to. You know, I can't mm -hmm. definitely say that's where they live now. Yeah, that is my, uh, okay. Nick got me in contact with John, uh, the lead singer when I was in Portland. I, I tried to, I never ended up doing anything with them, but yeah, Nick, Nick has been putting me on for <laughs> a long time. He's just like, Oh, my friend John lives there. And he's like, <laughs> Portugal, the man, John. It's like, Oh shit. He gave me his number and shit. Yeah. Like, Oh, but I mean, yeah. I, it was worth it just because just like experiencing things and like living uh, with friends and uh, just like figuring out, like I didn't know what like a renter's insurance was before then. Like you just learn all this stuff that just like living in a place that you didn't know. So I, I value that time a lot, but it just wasn't the right time. I think. Do you feel like there will be a right time? Yeah, I um it's not set in stone, but me and the other Vitus guys are we're thinking about moving to LA actually this summer. Mhm. Mm so we'll we'll see if that actually happens, but um I think it depends on if we're where we want to be uh like career-wise by the time we move. Cause you want to be like established enough uh, locally that it like makes sense to move. Mm -hmm. Cause like we want to get everything we can out of um, Alaska before you leave or else it's just like too early, I think. Okay. Do you feel like Alaska has its own sustainable music scene 
or is it a stepping stone or actually maybe proving grounds is a better way of putting it. Yeah. Yeah. Stepping stone is kind of like, it feels a little, <laughs> yeah. Like I'm not, I'm not using Alaska. I think I, it's, it's definitely more proving grounds. I think. Okay. Uh, I think it's sustainable if you're, if you don't wish to be very big, I think if you, if you just want to do like the whole bar circuit, um, or like cover band, like whatever, I think that you can like make a living and stuff, but you can only go so far here. Uh, but it's, it's definitely like the optimal place to start music and like prove yourself because like the, there is competition but like the music scene just feels, at least from my perspective and the people I've surrounded myself with, it just feels like a friend group rather than like, like the competition is like friendly competition. Like, oh, this person just dropped a really good song. So like my next song needs to like be better, or like whatever. But it's all for the sake of improving. And like, I want to see every, all my friends win and like every, all my friends want to see me win. And mm-hmm it's a really, it's definitely a really healthy environment, at least from, uh, from where I am. I know it's, it's different for a lot of other people, but it's just the people you surround yourself with for sure. I've just been really lucky. And you feel like a move to LA might maybe put you in a different space mentally, maybe Mm -hmm. energy wise as well. I think we've always kind of capped ourselves out um, because of where we are. Um, I think there's always that looming, like, Oh, if only I was in this place, I could like go to this show or like uh, go to this big studio and whatever. But like LA, like there's no place above LA. Like if you're in L, like everything is there. So like there, like that, looming feeling wouldn't really exist in LA I feel like but it's not I don't want to be in LA forever I just want to like go for like a year just to like meet people I think Mm -hmm. and like build a studio and uh just like make a bunch of shit and work with a bunch of people and then maybe come back or figure it out from there I'm not really sure yeah was cigarettes the first song you released as a solo artist yeah yeah it was like a couple months after i started making music it was uh my friend made we were listening to a lot of phoebe bridgers (laughs) okay it was like right when punisher came out and uh my friend charlie and i uh i was just kind of crafting like i was like what do i want to make music like I was like, should I make like, fuck, like pop punk or indie or like folk or mm-hmm. whatever? And then we, uh, <clears throat> like, cigarette started as a, as a Kyoto type beat, like the Phoebe Bridgers song. So he kind of like copied the drums from it, and uh, he just sent me that beat. And then I don't know. Yeah, that was my first. That was my first song. Or the we made a bunch of other songs, but that was my first like uh I kind of set this like deadline for myself to get my first 
song ready to be released by like a certain time and yeah that was that was my first song as a solo artist what was it like you know getting it out there i i put so much effort into like uh marketing and sending it to blogs and like i i had so much to learn and nick's manager helped me so much because before uh, before I even started making music, I, I kind of took on like a manager role for like Michael and Huss. Mm -hmm. And uh, I talked with Catherine, Nick's manager, and she sat on the phone with me for like three hours, just like giving me all this industry insight about like, uh, like don't drop it on this day because everyone drops on this day and you'll get like overshadowed or like, uh, like how to write a press release to like send to blogs and mm -hmm. just like all this information I literally, I would have not been able to figure out if I didn't talk to someone who does it as a job. So just, I don't know. I, I've just been in such a lucky position. I think that like where things have just kind of came together somehow. And like, it's a combination of, uh, like the effort that it took to like research how to do all these things. And then, uh, knowing people that do those things and just asking them, like pestering them with questions about it. Yeah. Do you take notes? Yes. I mean, I f like for conversations like, like those, I definitely took a lot of notes and just seeing like every time I hang out with Nick or I see Nick, I'm like, Oh dude, like I saw your song on like discover weekly or something or like this new editorial playlist. And we just kind of like nerd out about like the Spotify algorithm or like TikTok or whatever. And just having like a friend group where that's all we talk about, like me and Charlie and Huss and Michael, like every time we're in the same room, we we're debating which, uh, like Coldplay album is the best. <laughs> or like okay. the worst or whatever yeah <laughs> like it's just all music all the time constantly and like when we're not in the studio we're like having those debates or um talking about like oh this show went really well or like we should do this we should like uh i have this idea for a tiktok or whatever yeah yeah you know on your song on a roll, you say, I kind of fucking hate the old me. Was that just for the song or is that something you actually think? That was something that, that was on Nick's verse. That was something that Nick freestyled. Okay. So we were like, um, that was such a good moment because like I wanted to collaborate with Nick and he was open to doing a verse on one of my songs, which is like a crazy feature for my second song. Yeah. I was really stoked about that. So he just came through one day and we like made the beat and laid down our verses in like two hours and like had the finished song after that session. And I wanted, I was kind of torn on whether I wanted him to come back and do like a really clean uh, take of his verse. Cause he had to leave pretty early, but I kind of just, I don't know. It was like, that was such making that song was such a good moment mm -hmm. uh, together where we're just all hanging out. And like, I, I kind of wanted to preserve that feeling that we had. 
Yeah. And I think that, um, I think it came across that way in like the finished product. You know, that mentality is a lot like, you know, you recording yourself with your phone, you know, to get Mm -hmm. that first take. Yeah, true. I, I just really like authenticity and I think that's like the most important thing in songwriting and just making music in general. So I try to like make things like I try not to force like anything and just like let things come out how they're supposed to come out. Yeah. And that's not really like a fate thing. Like going back to that, I think it's just more like shit just kind of works out and like, (laughs) I don't know. Maybe it is a fate thing. I don't know, but I try not to overthink anything. Yeah. Just do. Yeah. I definitely do, though. (laughs) (laughs) Have you had any conversations with other Alaska-based artists, maybe like Nick or, you know, your buddies in Vitus Collective, about what it means to be successful? Um, like, yeah, definitely, like, all the time. I know... I maybe not specifically like what it means to be successful, but just talking about um, like our recent successes and like, I was just hanging out with Ashley young and uh, have you done a podcast with Ashley? No, I have not. No, you should. She is, she is doing so well right now. Okay. Okay. Anyway, (laughs) I, I just hung out with Ashley Young and like uh, my friend Justin, his artist name is like Carino and then Huss. And we were just talking about like recent successes and like how we feel about certain things and like our worries. And mm-hmm. I think just having having regular and like pretty constant conversation about um how I and my friends feel about um, where we are at and like where we want to go and uh, like what we can do um, at like where we are. I think that's really important. Mm -hmm. And just because there's a lot of, I think in Alaska, there's a lot of like, um, there is a lot of conversations where, Uh, Or, like, there is a lot of competitiveness because someone will, like, there's such a limited, um, there's a a lot of, like, the opportunities are pretty limited. So, like, when someone is doing really well, they kind of get all the opportunities. Oh, okay. And I think that's fine. I think that's whatever, but, like, uh, I think a lot of people kind of get hurt that they're not chosen for the opportunities. Mm. But like, I talked a lot about this with Ashley because like, I listen to like hundreds of artists, mm-hmm. like, so, like a lot, like everyone listens to like, no one listens to one artist or anything. Mm-hmm. So like, there's always room for like everyone on someone's playlist. Like it's not the whole idea of, like I need to be bigger than this person or whatever, like is, is really, it's kind of dumb because yeah, like growing, like the most, I think the, 
the best way to grow like as a friend group and like as a um as artists just like that are friends that aren't like beefing with each other i think it <laughs> it makes the most sense to like get big and then you help them and they like if they get end up getting bigger than you then your friends so they help you and then it's just like a constant climb yeah and it's not like you leave everyone in the dust and you're on your own yeah it's like you can you can lift up other people like it doesn't hurt anything to just like share someone's song on your story or whatever yeah it's like no one cares i think it's just like it's just a nice friend thing to do to like help each other out like that i wonder if you've thought about the worst case scenario when it comes to your music um the worst case scenario i don't i don't really think about that because i don't want to like put energy into the worst case scenario because it's not gonna happen (laughs) so it's it's like why why would i i just try to like when i talk about my future and like uh, where i want to be i just always try to talk about it like it's gonna happen Mm -hmm. because i i really i have a lot of confidence that it will and I i just don't see a future where it won't so i i don't know i don't like putting uh that kind of energy out there. How about best case scenario? Best case scenario. Um, I think, Ooh, I think about this a lot, but I also like, um, my goals change a lot. Like I don't, I think my overall like big goal is just to like, I want to, it goes back to the being obsessed with Justin Bieber. Like I want to mm-hmm. be like a pop star or whatever, <laughs> whatever that looks like and being able to live like comfortably off of music. And, uh, I don't know. I want to get to the point where like money isn't an issue and I don't, I want to get to the point where like, I have some sort of effect on music and I want to get to a point where like I'm in a position to put on all my friends mm-hmm. because I don't know. I just want all these people that help me constantly and like are like better at me than like producing or playing guitar or anything to like uh, get what they deserve and uh, be able to have like fruitful careers too. Mm-hmm. So I just want to, I don't know, make it with like Huss and them. Definitely. Well, Zane, that's, that's it. That's all I got for you. Sweet. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for this conversation, for your honesty yeah, and dude for your perspective good little therapy sesh yeah (laughs) do you have anything else you'd like to add um shit i mean go stream my song (laughs) god i'm so bad i'm like awful at like promoting myself uh i don't know just like check me out uh go listen to cody's other episodes uh check out all the vitus guys check out huss 
Uh, check out Ashley Young. Yeah. That's, that's all I have to say. You know, I wonder... I usually end it right there, but I don't want to leave without asking you. Mm-hmm. If you could picture an Alaska, you know, a future Alaska that maybe is providing spaces, you know, for people like yourself and like your buddies in Vitus Collective and Ashley, you know, what does that look like? I I want an all ages venue that's like constantly doing stuff. And like whether that's like uh just like I don't know DJ shows or like bringing in local artists or bringing in artists from like out of town. Like I want I want there to be things that kids can like go to and do that's like regular. Mm-hmm. Um because I, the the whole reason why everyone like experiments with drugs and whatever like tries shit like that is because it's always it's mostly like a lack of stuff to do. And I think um having a space to do things and like to go to shows and uh like a face to uh, a space to like feel less excluded from the lower 48 and like all the things they have down there I think would be really beneficial to Alaska. I think that that would be really cool. Uh, I'm not really sure what that would look like, but like, um, I think we need that as a community for sure. You can support this podcast at patreon.com slash crude magazine. You can also support this podcast with a one-time payment at buymeacoffee.com slash crude magazine. Crude Conversations is written, hosted, and produced by me, Cody Liska, for Crude Magazine. Music was produced by Alcoda Beats. 